Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. You did the wrong thing. You got to bring the sin offering. And it's a, an animal, a livestock, a lamb, a goat, a turtle dove, a pigeon, or, or some flour. You got to bring it and you're just aware that, man, sin costs. Sin is costly. And isn't that true, though? As you just look at the world around us, doesn't sin cost people? Sin costs people their families. It costs people their marriages. It costs people their very lives. It costs people everything. It costs them their sanity. It costs them their peace. Sin costs. As Pastor Bill continues his teaching series through the book of Leviticus, he'll be explaining how damaging and costly sin is. Sin is the reason the world is in a fallen state. Sin is the reason man was separated from the presence of God. God commanded his people to bring an offering for their sin to the temple because sin costs something. A sacrifice was always needed to be brought to the temple in order for their sin to be covered. This system was always meant to point to Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Leviticus chapter 5 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Let's just say they couldn't afford to give one of those things. They couldn't afford to give from livestock. They couldn't afford to give a lamb and they couldn't afford to give a goat. God says, That's what I got you. I got you because everybody needs to get right. Verse 7, he says, If he is not able to bring a lamb, then he can bring to the Lord for his trespass, which he has committed, two turtle doves or two young pigeons, one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering. So God says, I'm making provision for poor folk, right? Your financial status is not going to be a hindrance to you dealing with this issue, this sin issue. God said, if you can't bring a livestock and you can't bring a lamb and you can't bring a goat, then you can bring two turtle doves, which is cheap. If you can't get two turtle doves, get a couple pigeons. If you can't get a couple pigeons, and I, I think that God just knows how we are. I think that God just knows that we as a people will make excuses as, as, as long as we could. I'm, I'm sure that there were people back there saying, God, I can't afford to give a livestock. No, I can't afford to give a lamb. I can't afford to give a goat. We don't have two turtle loves. We don't have two pigeons. Well, if you look over, if you skip ahead to verse 11, God says, but if he is not able to bring two turtle doves or two pigeons, then he who is sin <laughs> shall bring for his offering one-tenth of an ephah of flour as a sin offering. God said, you just grab a handful of flour and bring that. You're going to bring something. You, you're not coming. You're not going to not bring something. And so as I read this, I realize that God has just said, hey, that everybody can participate in this. And it does speak to me of that part of our human nature where we make excuses for the things that we don't want to do. And so I look at how far God, God said, he, he went all the way down to say, look, if you just get a handful of flour and bring that, but bring something. I want you to do, I want you to know that your sin costs something. And each person, as they brought their thing, as they brought the, the livestock, as they brought the lamb, as they brought the goat, as they brought the turtle doves, they brought the pigeons, or if they brought a handful of flour, they were knowing that this, my sin costs something. And that would be the trend. We, as we, we, we move all the way forward to the New Testament and we know that our sins did cost something. They cost them something back here. And we know as we get to, to, to Jesus, we know that it cost him his life. Our sins cost something. So I believe that it's the impact that it would have had on this group is if every time you messed up, every time you sinned, every time you trespassed, every time you gave a wrong oath, you didn't speak up when you should have spoke up, you, you did the wrong thing, you got to bring the sin offering, and it's a, an animal, a livestock, a lamb, a goat, a turtle dove, a pigeon, or, or some flour, you got to bring it, and you're just aware that, man, sin costs. Sin is costly. And isn't that true, though? 
as you just look at the world around us, doesn't sin cost people? Sin costs people their families. It costs people their marriages. It costs people their very lives. It costs people everything. It costs them their sanity. It costs them their peace. Sin costs. And the cool thing for us is that while they're having to dig up and scrumpt and bring something to, to deal with their sin, um, we're not really in the same predicament they're in because who, who's dealt with our sin? Right? Jesus, he paid it all for us. And so as I look at what they had to go through, and I do believe that one of the points of us even studying this, because um, it's not the most exciting stuff in the world, but as I study this and as I look at and I get I get to get in touch with people of another generation, how they had to interact with the Lord. Uh, it does bring me to a place of greater appreciation for my relationship with God today. When I look at this and I think, I mean, imagine you guys imagine that everybody just think about the last time you told a lie. The last time you made an oath you didn't keep. The last time you were aware of somebody else that told a lie and you didn't put them on blast. Just, just count that up real quick and it might have all happened today. But if you count all those things up and say, wow, for each of those, it would have to have been a, a livestock or a lamb or a goat or a turtle doves or two pigeons or some flour. How often would you be down there with the priest? You'd, just be, you'd be down there every day. Just, 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 you wouldn't have nothing. You know, you'd be broke dealing with your sin. Um, how often did they do that? How frequent was that happening? Um, how costly was it for them? And so for us that we get up every day and we just know that Jesus has paid it all. I hope that we can appreciate that. As I read this, it causes me to be thankful. Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you did for me. Thank you that 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 I'm I'm not in this this thing that they're in. Thank you that there's forgiveness, that there's mercy, that there's the blood of Christ to cleanse me of all my sins. Lord, thank you. Thank you. I, I realize the power of the blood of Christ to cleanse us of all sins, a sacrifice once and for all that they were doing this ongoing thing over and over and over again. And it didn't it didn't wash away their sins. It just covered it up. You know, they're, they're, for them back here, when they did their sacrifice, their offerings, it provided a covering of their sin. It didn't wash it away for you and me. The Bible says the blood of Christ cleanses. It washes away our sins. They're not covered. There's a, there's a difference. You know, if you got something that's covered up, it's different than something that's completely washed away. It's gone. You know, it can't be found. Um, you know, in, in, <laughs> I, I did one day I was supposed to make the bed and I don't really make the bed and I'm not a good bed maker, but I was supposed to make the bed and I forgot I was supposed to make the bed. And as I was on the way out the house with kids, I realized I was supposed to make the bed. So I left everything underneath the bed that was there, clothes, pillows, stuff under there. But I pulled the big fat cover, put it on top, and I pooped all the pillows. And I was like, there, bed made. Now, that would maybe on the surface, wife would have walked in and said, oh, he did it. Oh, until, until, until nighttime, until she pulled the cover back. And she's seen BJ's pajamas from the morning and all the other stuff tucked under there. Then it would have been gone. And that was just, it's covered up. It, it could be revealed later. It's just covered. It's not washed away. Different than having something that's just gone. It's washed away. Cleansed. Never coming back again. Do you consider that with your life? That your sins, because of Christ, they're not going to come back to haunt you. They're not coming back to bite you. You're not going to die, go to heaven, and God said, well, well, we got to talk about a few things. They're washed away. They're gone. Your conscience can be clean. You got a good standing with the Lord, not because you're good, but because he's good, because his forgiveness is 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 is, is thorough, uh, because the cleansing of his blood is complete. God has done that for us. And so versus the rest of this from six to 13 are going to explain how to make the sin offering 
Um, so I'm going to go ahead and read verses um, 7 all the way down to verse 13. It says, if he is not able to bring a lamb, then he shall bring it to the Lord for his trespass, which he has committed two turtle doves or two young pigeons, uh, one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering. Verse 8, and he shall bring them to the priest who shall offer that which is for the sin offering first and wring off its head from its neck, but he shall not divide it completely. Then he shall sprinkle some of the blood of the sin offering on the side of the altar and the rest of the blood shall be drained out of the base of the altar. It is a sin offering and he shall offer the second as a burnt offering according to the prescribed manner. So the priest shall make atonement on behalf for his sin, which he has committed and it shall be forgiven him. So in verse 10, uh, we see that word forgiven as they deal with their sin in the way God had prescribed. Um, they would experience forgiveness. They would experience a, a release of guilt. They're no longer in bondage to that thing. God has forgiven them. And so I did want to speak on that for just a moment because forgiveness is a powerful thing. It's powerful when it comes to us from the Lord. And forgiveness can also be a powerful thing when it goes through you to somebody else. Um, when God forgives you, as these people here are going to experience his forgiveness, it's, it's being released of a debt. It's like I owe a debt. I messed up. I owe this debt right here. Now I'm released of the debt. God forgave me. It's, it, I, he let me go. I'm off the hook. I, I don't have to account for this thing. I've been let off the hook. I've been forgiven. And it does feel good to be forgiven. Um, for me, it's a blessing to know that I've been forgiven by the Lord, that um, God's not holding against me. I'm not still, there's not still beef between me and God because of the things that I've done. I've been forgiven. And Anyone here that's ever needed someone to forgive you, um, it's, a, it's a bad feeling to be unforgiven if you want to be forgiven. Some people don't care. So that's how some people deal with it. You don't forgive me. I don't care. You know, I'm going to assault you some more. You know, but if you want to be forgiven and someone won't give forgiveness, that's painful. There's nothing they can do about it. You know, they can apologize. They can say sorry. They can buy gifts, but they just, you won't forgive. And so I just want to remind us that the Bible does teach that we've been forgiven Jesus, as he taught his disciples how to pray in Matthew chapter six, and this is something that they were to pray on a daily basis. He was giving them a not a prayer to repeat as a lot of people do it, but he was giving them a model for prayer. This is how you engage in prayer. This is how you interact with the father in prayer. And one of the things that he addressed in the prayer, we call it the our father. He tells them in verse 12, this is in Matthew six, verse 12, is asking and forgive us our debts. As we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one for yours, the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And the very next verse, he says, Look, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will for also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. And so God said, look, forgiveness is not automatic. You don't just have access to it. God said, if you're going to be a, a recipient of my forgiveness, you're also going to be a conduit through whom forgiveness can flow. And everybody here I know needs forgiveness. And so I would just say anyone here that's needing to forgive someone, there's someone that's really, really wanting your forgiveness and you're withholding it, that you would repent of that today, that you would give forgiveness to those that want it. Um, there really should never be a cause where we would not extend forgiveness to someone that asks for it, um, ever. 
There should never be a case. Forgiveness doesn't mean I got to be your best friend. Forgiveness doesn't mean I got to I got to I got to be in position for you to do whatever you did the first time again. If somebody come into my house and steal some money and I forgive them, do they have to come back in my house where they can steal money again? No, I forgive you down the street. You can't come back in my house, though. You know, th that's OK. But I forgive you. I'm not still bringing it up. What does it mean? How does that look? What does forgiveness look like? It's not still there. It's not, I'm not holding you. I'm not saying, well, I forgive you, but I, I still remember what you did, though. You know, some people say, well, I, I can forgive you, but I can't forget. And in essence, they're saying, and, and it, there's, a, there's a truth to that, but it's also a cop out. And there's a truth to the fact that I cannot forget. So if I've been assaulted or something's been done wrong to me, I could forgive you and I'm still going to remember that it happened. Right. But I don't need to bring it up anymore. I can let it go. Something I can release you from. So. Um, here again, God forgives them and we also have been forgiven. We want to be good forgivers. And so if you're not a good forgiver, then you need to be forgiven for that. <laughs> you need to become a good forgiver. Um, we want that to, we need it constantly. So it needs to flow through you constantly. Uh, we, we should be able to forgive people. Verse 11, it says, but if he is not able to bring two, two turtle doves or two pigeons, you, two young pigeons, then he who sins shall bring for the, for the offering one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour as a sin offering. He shall put no oil on it, nor shall he put frankincense on it, for it is a sin offering. And so again, if they couldn't bring any of the smaller things, God reduced it all the way to say, get a handful of flour, fine flour, and bring that, but bring something. Don't come empty-handed. You're going to bring something. You're going to offer it up to me. Verse 12, verse 12, it says, then he shall bring it to the priest's. And the priest shall take his handful, he shall take his handful of it as a memorial portion and burn it on the altar according to the offerings made by fire to the Lord. It is a sin offering. The priest shall make atonement for him, for his sin that he has committed in any of these matters, and it shall be forgiven him. The rest shall be the priest as a grain offering. Um, and so then from that point, God's going to speak to Moses um, about guilt uh, and uh, there's another offering that is going to come forth but I just want to point out that here as they've done their part God said I forgive you guys have made atonement for it you guys have brought forth your your sacrifice for it and it results in your forgiveness and again as I look at each thing that they had to do I realized that in Jesus all that's encapsulated for me in Jesus all my sins all my guilt all my shame all my wrongdoings they're all wrapped up they're all been paid in full on the cross and I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven by God and every believer, every person that's confessed Christ, every person that's received Jesus as Lord and Savior, they're forgiven. They're forgiven for the things that they've done. Why is that important as a, a community of people? Sometimes we, though we've been forgiven, we don't extend it to other people. Um, I've seen even believers that maybe you, maybe when you weren't saved, maybe you didn't go out that far. Maybe you didn't venture out into some different things. And so maybe we see someone that's been saved out of something that way beyond what you ever did. Sometimes we're not we're not quick to extend that same. We don't treat them like they're forgiven. We don't treat them like they're 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 just they're we all came through the same thing. We can treat them like they're way out. You guys are. Well, I got saved, but I only did this. You, you got saved. You, you did all those things. We, we, we're, I'm going to hang out with the other saved people that are saved like I was saved from just a little bit. And um, that's not good. It's not good. Everybody in heaven 
is going to be worshiping Jesus the same for the same thing that nobody's going to make it there without Jesus. And it doesn't matter what the depth, what the what the degree of what the things that they did are. They've forgiven. They've been forgiven. And we 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 have to get good at receiving that, recognizing that, that, man, God's forgiveness goes deep and runs far. I watched a show about guys in, in prison and there was one where a guy had done some vile things before he got saved. Murdered people, cut them up, did all kind of crazy stuff. Then he got saved. I mean, born again, had been, you know, he's going, he's on death row. He's getting ready to, they're interviewing him, you know, just months before he's going to die for his crimes. And the interviewer is asking him all these questions. And the guy is there and he's saying, he's truthful. He's saying, look, I did these things. I, I feel terrible about what I did. You know, some hired me 30 years ago, whatever it was when he did it. He said, you know, I was, um, I was in a different place. I was messed up on drugs and, and, and demonic stuff and everything else. He says, but yeah, I've repented. Um, Jesus has forgiven me. Uh, I've been walking with the Lord for this many years, and I know that, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to get out of it. I'm not lying. I'm not trying to avoid my, the penalty for my crime, but I'm going to heaven. And the interviewer had a hard time accepting that. She said, so you think after that, 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 you think that God's just going to accept you? You think you're going to go to heaven? And he said, yeah. And I was listening to the interview thinking like, wow, she, she's not okay with that. She's not okay with the thought that this man who did those things can go to heaven now. And I'm like, are, as believers, are you okay with it? Are we okay with that? Do we recognize that someone can do heinous things and then get saved and go to heaven? Um, I, I hate to hear believers wishing that someone would, I hope they go to hell for that. They're going to they gonna burn in hell for that thing, that crime, that thing, when our heart should be. If they're still breathing and living, they could end up forgiven for it. They could be completely forgiven for that. It's potential. It's possible. So anyway, as we come to the last section here, look at verses um, 14 through 16. It says, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, if a person commits a trespass and sins unintentionally regarding the holy things of the Lord, then he shall bring to the Lord as his trespass offering a ram without blemish from the flocks with your valuation and shekel of silver, according to the shekel of the sanctuary as a trespass offering. And he shall make restitution for the harm that he has done in regard to the holy thing. And he shall add one fifth to it to give it to the priest. So the priest shall make atonement um, for him with the ram um, of the trespass offering and it shall be forgiven him. So now it says if someone messes up concerning the holy things, that's speaking of the articles and the things within the, the temple. And so they were holy things, holy meaning that they were set apart by God for a specific purpose. If a guy somehow broke them, defiled them, messed them up in some way, um, there had to be an offering, and even if it was unintentional. It doesn't have to be something you did on purpose. It could be something that you accidentally did. Unintentionally, you defiled it. You broke it. You did something to it. And so there had to be an offering for it and restitution. So when he says that you had to add um, a fifth, you got to come back with 20% on it. So you broke it. You messed it up. You defiled it. You got you to gotta make restitution. You make your, your offering, and then you also make restitution for whatever you messed up plus 20%. Um, that's what God was requiring here. And so the following the holy things are the articles of the temporary. Um, again, for God, it wasn't enough for them to just offer the sin offering. I messed up, but also they're to make restitution. Um, there's a point in that, you know, there are things that you could do where you mess over someone and then you just say, hey, I'm sorry. 
And God would say, well, that's, that's good. That's a good start. You apologize. But but maybe there's there are things that we do where we need to make restitution. If I if I borrow money from you and I don't pay you back and I say, and I come back and say sorry, what should follow my sorry? A payment plan, something, you know, if you're really sorry, you know, you should stay out of Starbucks and start paying me back. You know, like if you if you really mean it, you know, so um, it's a restitution. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. And I'm going to display my 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 repentance by making it right, taking care of whatever it was. And so so, too, with the Lord, I just will point this out. If, if there are things that that you've withheld or kept back from the Lord, um, if you repent of doing it then you should give those things to the Lord. Um, if there are things that God has spoken to you about and you've, you've, you've withheld your time, your talent, your whatever from the Lord, and then now you realize, I'm sorry, God, been, God, now give it to me now. You know, if God's been speaking to you about using you in some way and you've withheld it from him. No, I'm scared. I don't want to. Well, whenever you come to the place where you say, God, I, I repent of not being willing. You can't repent and still not do it. Now you got to step up and do it. Now you got to go forth and, all right, God, I'm sorry that I didn't give myself to you there. Now I'm giving myself to you. There's, I'm, now I'm, I'm going to walk in that repentance. And so, again, not merely enough to acknowledge it, sin offering, but if you're able, you're also going to make restitution for it. You're going to make it right. Um, you're going to take care of what it is that you've done. And so last section here, uh, verses 17 through 19, it says, if a person sins and commits any of these things which are forbidden to be done by the commandment of the Lord, though he does not know it, yet he is guilty and shall bear his iniquity and he shall bring to the priest a ram without blemish from his flock with your valuation as a trespass offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him regarding his ignorance in which he erred and did not know it and he shall be and it shall be forgiven him. It is a trespass offering. He certainly trespassed against the Lord. And so I just will point it out one more time that with the Lord, ignorance is no excuse. So even if they were ignorant of it, once it's brought to their attention, God says, hey, now now we got to deal with it. And so, again, as I look at that, I think, wow, man, how many things have I done? I mean, I, it's enough sins that I sin knowing that I'm sinning. But man, they, they, they had a lot of laws. They had a lot of rules. And so if you did something and you didn't know it, when you were made aware, now now you got to deal with that. Now, now that you've been made aware, you got to deal with it. Um, ignorance was no excuse. And that's important for a few things. You know, not knowing with God is not, it's not a good reason. I didn't know. I was unaware. Um, when we become aware, we got to deal with these things. This is, could sound like bad news. Um, as I read this and I look at Leviticus and I look at these people, I think, wow, this is, this is tough. I don't think any of us would want to sign up for this life. I don't think any of us would want to be here, but I got to point this out. It would have been better if we were living at this time frame. It would have been better to be under this than to be like the pagan nations that were not under it. So even these rules and even these laws and even making things right, even the, the ongoing sacrifice and dealing with sin and sin being so costly and God making sure that you dealt with your sin. This was better than the pagan nations because they were without God. They were without God's blessing. They were they weren't they were not only without God's discipline, they were without God, period. It'd be better to be with God than to be without God in any given situation. And so as much as I look at this and I think, man, this is I wouldn't want to trade New Testament salvation for this Old Testament way of living. I'm also aware that it was this was a better deal for them then than it was for the other nations around them. 
that didn't have God's hand upon them, didn't have God's blessing upon them, didn't have God whatsoever, and they died without God, all of them, all those other groups, all those other nations, all those other people. Now as we bring it forward to where we live today, for us, this is good news, that God has made a provision, God has made a way for us that we're no longer having to go through a sacrificial system. We're, not, we're no longer having to do these ongoing things. God says, look, I'm gonna take care of it for you. Pastor Bill Buffington will share more from the book of Leviticus right here on A Transforming Word. But that's all we have time for today. A Transforming Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood, and our prayer is that this ministry touches your faith in such a way that you grow closer to Jesus. We know just how hard it is to live like Christ in a world full of darkness. But just as the Israelites had to learn, God is near. Even when you don't see Him, even when you don't feel him, even when you don't understand him, he is near and he is for you. His grace is endless and his love is deep. When the pressures of this world get to you, remember who you are in him. If you'd like to learn more about the book of Leviticus and you'd like to study the Bible more deeply, we have a helpful Bible reading plan on our website. This can be a useful guide to help you explore the word on a daily basis. Just visit CalvaryEnglewood.org and you'll find resources and tools to help you continue to grow in your faith. Before we go, we also want to let you know that you can connect with us on social media too. Like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We'll add some uplifting content to your week. A Transforming Word is a broadcast on the radio, and our goal is to help spread the good news of the gospel. If you'd like to find out more about how to support A Transforming Word, go to CalvaryEnglewood.org or donate through our app. We're so thankful for your support and more than anything, we hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you. Thanks for your support and thanks for tuning in. To learn more from Leviticus, be sure to join us next time right here on A Transforming Word.